You are getting sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit inspiresleep.com. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at inspiresleep.com. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Hello, welcome to episode 91 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. I'm your host, Bethany. This episode is brought to you by Rampion Crew patron supporters. Thank you. Please welcome a very special guest. Today we have author Annie Sullivan. Hey guys, so excited to be here. I'm a huge fan of Marissa Meyer's work, and Cress is probably my favorite in the Lunar Chronicle series. Yay, mine too. <laughs> <laughs> I like to ask people how they found these books. Do you remember how you found these books and what your first read-through was like? I remember, I think someone said it was like, they described it as Cyborg Cinderella, and I love fairy tales, so I was like, okay. I need to check this out. Although I'll be honest, when I first started Cinder, I picked it up. I got a few chapters in. And I was just like, ah, you know, I don't know. It just went a little too slow. I put it down. But then I kept hearing about it on like Facebook groups and from friends and other readers, how much they loved it. So I picked it back up. I got back into it and then I could not put it down. I blew through the series so quickly. Um, it was amazing. I just... I think Marissa Meyer and her plot, she's one of the best plotters I've ever seen. You know, everything that comes through the book Cinder um, to Scarlet Crest, everything adds up over time. And I love the amount of like thought that goes into that. Yeah, she definitely planned everything out pretty well. Yes, yes. And as an author, I'm a pantster, which means I fly by the seat of my pants. Um, Me too. So I don't <laughs> but I have like little post-it notes everywhere. Oh, yes. I have a friend, Lauren Mancy. She wrote The Memory Thief, and she like color codes her post-it notes like scene by scene of what happened. Oh, see, no. No, I'm a dancer. So <laughs> I I have like ideas of what I want to do, and then I'm just like, I'm just going to write, and I'll just write for like six hours and figure it out as I go. <laughs> that's, see, that's what I like is like the joy and the thrill of figuring out what's going to happen along with the reader. I've always found that I write better that way than if I do like those sprints where it's like 10 minutes here and 10 minutes there because I feel like I, I don't know, I, I thrive on that momentum. Yes. I need like a good solid hour at least to like get back into the story and really yes. start to like get some things going. I also, I always have to read at least the last chapter before I can start writing again just to like get in that headspace. <laughs> yes. It gets you back in the mood and the atmosphere and the ambiance. So I definitely approve of that. <laughs> Absolutely. So what are you reading at the moment? At the moment, I think I'm reading, I think it's called Little White Lies. It's um, it's by the same author, I think Jennifer Lynn Barnes, who wrote The Inheritance Games. And if you've not read that, that is a super fun, fast-paced read. If you like the movie Knives Out, it's very much like a YA version of that movie. Cool. Yeah, so it's like a fun, like, murder mystery. That is fun. And do you have any projects that you're working on right now for your for your own work? I do. I have a new fairy tale retelling that I'm working on. 
Oh, yay. Yeah, I can't say too much about it. I'm only about eight chapters in. And then I have another book that I just finished up. And I'm waiting on one other reader, um, like early reader, to look over and give me some feedback. And then I'll make a few changes and send it to my agent and then hopefully send it off to publishers. Wonderful. I'm so excited to read that. I love adaptations so much. Just how I got hooked on these books. (laughs) Yes, that's why I read them. I write them. I love all of them. (laughs) I love it. So let's first talk about some Fan Art Friday, which is one of my favorite segments. And I'm really excited because this is only like the second or third time that we've gotten any artwork of Dr. Erlond. And I know it's just like a simple pencil sketch, but I need everyone to know how happy I am that he has a mustache (laughs) because he doesn't have a mustache in the books, but I always picture him with like a bushy mustache. Right? He's just like, he seems like that kind of character. He does. He seems like a mustache kind of guy. So this is from January 29th. It's by Ground For You on Tumblr. I just love it. I really do. We don't get a lot of fan art of like side characters. I'd love to get some more contour in at Amory Park if I could too, because I can't find anything. Aww. Wink, wink to Cosmic Nova Flair because she's a very talented artist. And usually if I say I need something, she'll make it a few weeks later. So... That's so cool. I'm going to check out this artist. I I love fan art and I don't see enough uh, Lunar Chronicles fan art in my own world. So I need to go and find it. It's a a rabbit hole I go down frequently (laughs) because I'm constantly (laughs) looking for new art for Fridays. (laughs) Take me down with you. I want to go down that rabbit hole too. (laughs) Yes. I should send you my Pinterest page because it's just like (gasps) fan art everywhere. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And memes and like comic strips and yeah. (laughs) Oh, so I this, need this in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so this next one is from Kat Adara, and it's of Scarlet and Wolf. And the thing I love most about it is that Scarlet is a thick, curvy girl. And I appreciate that so much because that's how she's described in the books. And so often I see her as a very petite person. And so I just I love that we get this this curvy representation. Yes. So often you just have like stick thin people who are like long and lith and you're just like not everyone looks like that so i don't <laughs> no, right? i don't either and uh i'm like yay somebody looks either. like me <laughs> yes yes that's where representation is so important we need people of all body types all abilities all races creeds everything Yes, absolutely. And that's I, that one of the things I love about Scarlet too is that she's a redhead. We don't get a lot of redheads in anything. Uh, I know because my husband is a redhead, so he's constantly like, oh, there's no redheads in this entire movie. Yes. Okay, see, my little brother is a redhead, and I, some people accuse me of being a redhead. I think I'm blonde, but every once in a while someone will say I have red hair, and I'm just like, what? No, but I feel that redheaded point. I do. Yeah, when I, when I look at you, I see blonde. Yeah, see, I do too. And like my other two siblings are also like sandy blonde, but I guess I don't know. I mean, I technically I was a redhead as a baby, so I was born with red hair, but then it just went platinum blonde when I was like three. So that's so cool. My um, I was born with like jet black hair, so my hair is Ooh. just like dark brown now because I, I go outside <laughs> a lot, so it'll get bleached by the sun sometimes, but. Mm. Yeah, my little sister Lindsay was like that. She had much darker brown hair, like kind of dirty blonde hair when she was younger, and now it's like really bright blonde. That's crazy how that happens. Like, 
this is so strange, but my dad, when he was a kid, had blonde hair. And then when he was like 14 and went through puberty, all of his hair fell out and it came back black. And it's been like jet black ever since. Wow. That's so unique. I don't think I've heard that before of anyone. I've never heard that before. And I feel like I need an explanation because it doesn't make sense. (laughs) But but it's cool. (laughs) He was abducted by aliens at 14 and replaced with a pod person or something. Oh my gosh, that's a book for the win. Everybody go write that if you feel like it. That's that's a gift for me and Annie. That's a a writing prompt for you. (laughs) Go have fun with it. Knock it out of the park. Yeah, everyone who's ever had their hair change color is apparently a pod person. So I love that. I love that whole concept of like there might be secret pod people living in the world and we don't notice it because we think they just like dyed their hair. Yes. There's a whole concept in Irish culture about the changeling. Have you ever heard of a changeling? Yes, which I think is such an interesting – first of all, I love that word. Mm-hmm. Because I just think that that's such a great word for that whole concept. But I, I I love the concept of that. It's so interesting to me. The very idea of like being able to change your appearance or shapeshifters or anything like that, I've always been really fascinated by that. Yes. I think that would just be be so cool. Be, be such a dangerous power too. Like you never know what you're getting into with that. I know. Like anytime I'm bloated, I would just be like, well, we're not going to look like that today, you know? <laughs> Cover up that pimple right? really easily. <laughs> <laughs> oh, or like, see, I this is where I go. I'm like, man, if I went to the grocery store, I could make myself like two feet taller and actually like reach the top shelf for once. I know. My husband, I'm five one and my husband is like six three, and we always have he's every time I go to the grocery store, if I can't reach something, there's usually like a tall person that'll be like, I'll get that, and they like hand it to me. And he's like, no one ever does that for me. And I'm like, you can reach everything. (laughs) Right? He's like, but I have to bend down to get to the bottom shelf. And I'm like, you poor thing. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, at least you can do that. I physically cannot make myself like reach taller unless I climb on things. Then I get yelled at by employees. Because they're like, why are you climbing on the bread shelf? I'm like. The other day, I really wanted the peanut butter Captain Crunch cereal, and um, it was like way out of my reach because it was pushed back. It hadn't been pulled forward, and my husband was looking at he's like healthy cereal with like granola and stuff. Um, (laughs) And he was like way down the aisle, and he was like, "I'll be there in a minute." And he was taking forever. And this big guy came by, and he he was like, "Do you need help?" And I was like, "I can't reach the peanut butter." Me. <laughs> this is what tall people are really good for. Yeah, and I often say that to my husband. I'm like, "Can you come be tall?" Thanks. Aw. <laughs> yep, I'm like five. One. I like to say I'm like five one and a half. I'm like almost five two. Like, because you know that extra like half inch helps. Um, but I feel your pain, so you know. Yeah, I'm five one and a, a quarter, and I usually claim that quarter. Yeah, it's it's a pretty important <laughs> quarter, you know. Right? Especially when I'm like Especially the shortest like, one. I put shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Although then I wear heels and people are like, look at you, you're like five two now. And I'm like, thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I also get people who like they'll see pictures of me and my husband and then they'll meet him and they're like, Oh, he's not that tall. And I'm like, No, but I mean anybody standing next to someone who's a foot shorter than is gonna look really tall. Right, like. exactly. 
So last week, Patreon members voted for chapter titles. Chapter 44 is titled Perfect by Simple Plan. Chapter 45 is titled Fabulous by Allie Brooke. Um, And yay, time for a chapter discussion. Woo! We are getting into the nitty gritty of Crest, you guys. <laughs> There's, We are getting to the good stuff. Things are happening. <laughs> yes. I was taking, I just finished notes for the entire book the other day, and I was like, oh my gosh, we have so many good things coming up. Yes. Yes. So last week we left off, Cinder was telling the crew her plan to, you know, kidnap the groom. (laughs) Nothing, nothing big there, right? Right? I (laughs) love Cress. She's looking in the mirror. We're in Cress's perspective. She's looking in the mirror. She she feels like a character in an opera. Iko like <laughs> Iko fixed her hair and taught her how to add pink to her complexion by like squeezing her cheeks. Um, <laughs> which I just think it's so like old school. Oh, but it's so cute too. And like I just I just love picturing Cress like in her beautiful ball gown and just you know feeling beautiful for one of the probably one of the first times in her life. You know after being in that spaceship for so long and I just oh it gives me like butterflies thinking about it again I also love ball gowns so maybe that's part of it oh me too any excuse to dress up and walk around and twirl and stuff my um my friend Ashley made me this renaissance dress complete with like those giant bell-shaped sleeves and like embroidery and stuff it's gorgeous and I like to just wear it yeah (laughs) I'll just around the house and like pose for myself and drink my tea and (laughs) I love that I need pictures of this there better be pictures of this somewhere I think I have a picture of it on Instagram somewhere when she first made it for me I tried it on okay I'm gonna have to look it Um, up because I love dresses (laughs) like that I know and she's a seamstress so she made the whole thing from scratch and and so it's it's very it's very beautiful to me and Cress would love it (laughs) because Cress loves dress up Yes, yes, she does. You know, she gets it. I I love that she's beginning to warm to Aiko. Mm-hmm. Like Aiko has the body of that escort droid that she hated, but you can't yeah. help but love Aiko. She just she's so bright and bubbly and happy and optimistic. Right. It's like to be near her is to love her. Yes, she's got such a great attitude. You know, she's just like, but she also is like she's not like quite cunning, but you know she's opportunitive and she she knows what she wants and she's willing to go after it. And so I love that she has that personality where she can get things done, you know. I think opportunitive is such a good word for her personality because that's yeah, that's definitely her. Iko is basically crest but with like way more confidence. <laughs> yes. Yes. She's <laughs> like, let's do this. Like she's got a plan and she knows how to make things happen. So I love that. Ica would be such a great girlfriend. She would like help you find the right outfits and you know, yes. you could like go out for margaritas and talk about boys. Like <laughs> Oh, she would be amazing, you know. She'd be like a perfect like woman just always there helping you and like talking you through things. Like I think we all need an Ico in our lives. I definitely need an Ico in my life. <laughs> okay, I'll, I can be your Ico now, and I will, like, talk you through everything now. Yes! <laughs> yes. That's fine. I love Ico. I'm very grateful to Marissa's editor for convincing her to keep Ico in the series, because every chapter with her, I'm like, yes, I love this character so much. 
Yeah, she just adds such another interesting layer, you know? I mean, she's not human, but she she is basically human in, in so many ways. And it just, it just, you know, reaches you on a different level. <laughs> Cress is kind of overwhelmed. She can't believe this is happening to her. She's going to a royal wedding. She's in this beautiful gown. She's in her first pair of real shoes. The dress is yes. blue to match her eyes. Right. Which again, I go score that one for pointing that one out and making that happen. See, she could help us pick out, like, you could help me pick out outfits and be like, girl, that outfit is not flattering. Or be like, yes, <laughs> color great on you. Let's do it. Like, <laughs> yes, I can do that. Okay. I'm clearly well versed in ball gowns. So I got that covered. Yes. I'm not always great at picking out the right clothes. Like every once in a while, I'll try stuff on and my husband's like, sweetie, I just no. Aww. Like, you know, and I'm like, okay, because I need that. I'm like, this is such a cute shirt. And then it might not look cute on me, but I don't care because it's a cute shirt. <laughs> see, but speaking of husband, when they ask Cress, are you, you know, you're ready to hear for your husband to see you? And then she gets like all a little bit like sad because she knows that Wolf is obviously not her husband. And ugh. another fake husband, though. She just had Thorn as a fake husband. <laughs> right? And she's going through those fake men. Like, Poor Cress has, like, always wanted to fall in love and have a boyfriend, and instead she gets two fake husbands. <laughs> <laughs> and Wolf is, like, well, not here for the fancy dress. Like, he, he'll put on a tux, but he's not playing the part at all. <laughs> I know, right? He's just like, okay, let's go now. <laughs> I love that she realizes he's a romantic hero. He's just not her romantic hero. Yes. Yes, which is nice because, I mean, some characters would, like, continue to pursue him or be like, oh, Scarlet's not in the picture right now. Like, I can make this work. But she's so sweet and kind that she's like, you know, I can tell, you know, he's, you know, you and her are, like, meant for each other. So I appreciate that about them. Yeah, they have a very, like, strange connection. It's it's almost – it's it's not tangible, you know? It's like, how do you explain their connection? Every time I try to, I feel like I don't do it justice. Yeah, it's so hard. But obviously Marissa did it in such an amazing way. I know, and I love it. And Cress is twirling in her dress, which is just adorable to picture. That would be me. I love a good twirl, so I am right there with her. Oh, for sure. And I love dresses that twirl because I'm like, look, it twirls. Like, I just like to spin yeah. and dance. <laughs> exactly. It just, it makes it so much better. Well, it like makes me think back to like dirty dancing and being a kid and thinking you're a dancer and, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Or a princess because that's totally where I would be and be like, yes, look at me in my giant ball gown. This is amazing. <laughs> for sure. But then there's poor Wolf who's just like, let's just get this over with. Yes. Isn't that heartbreaking? Let's get this over with. I, I do love when she was like, he would dress for the role, but he would not play it. Like, nope, he mm -hmm. won't. Wolf is not about that fancy dress party. He just wants to get back to Scarlet. Yes. Which is admirable, but I'm also like, dude, fancy dress party. Let's do it. <laughs> it's like, that sounds like so much fun, though. Yes, right? I would be having fun. I would be so much like Cress. Maybe that's why Cress is my favorite, because I would be like, this is the best thing ever. 
Right? See, that's what I was, I'm always saying that Cress is my spirit animal because I'm so much like her. And I would definitely be twirling around and looking at my dress and being like, come on, can't you just give me like one compliment, you mopey little wolf? Like, <laughs> right, like just one, just one. Just one little tiny compliment. So we, we switch perspectives here. Now we're in Aiko's perspective. I always love being in Aiko's perspective. It's so fun. And she's so like bubbly and optimistic and just has like such a bright, personality to lend her perspective to us on yes she does you know and she's fun and like like i said so resourceful like when she switches clothes with another android um and like she even like her hair into like a nice neat bun um and stuff to get like not get as noticed even though she like gets a little bit noticed um but they're kind of like nah whatever she's just an android so they let it go um so she's really good at what she does i love that I loved in the last chapter when she was like trying to flirt with the other android and he wouldn't like flirt back and she's like, well, okay, never mind. Like, <laughs> right, so right. Oh, I could never be an android. No, <laughs> I couldn't handle it. So she's got her hair in this beautiful bun. She wants to be long gone when they find the other android. She feels like it's hard to be a brainless, obedient android she has to be perfectly quiet she has to blink 10 times per minute which makes me wonder how many times i actually blink per minute but like you can't count that because then you're like consciously blinking right Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'd be still i'd be like counting like one like i would be so bad at it i wouldn't be able to like count up to 60 and then count that i've done 10 in those 60 seconds at the same time (laughs) You have to set like a timer or something. Right? Like you have to figure out whatever I don't know. 60. So it's like what? Like complicated for me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, again, could not be an android. No, could not be an android. (laughs) So she's disappointed that she doesn't get to go to the fancy dress party. She's sad that she can't enter the palace in the fancy entrance space, which again. I'm so on Aiko's side. Like, who wants to go to the ball as a waiter? We want to go to the ball as a princess. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we want to use the fancy entrance and, like, see all the photographers and everything and, you know. Be yes. We don't want to go in through, like, a garage. <laughs> We're, like, going in through the back door and it's like, ugh, no one's going to see me back here. Right? Right? <laughs> So Priya is there. Her, she's checking every all the staff as they come in. Um, she's verifying all their identities. Uh, the palace gardens are nice and calm and serene, and all of these androids are marching in perfect synchronization. I have I have issues with that because like the androids are there to blend in as regular human beings. Mm. If they're marching in perfect synchronization, they are not blending in as regular human beings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm surprised they didn't, like, verify the identities of these androids and just, like, double check that they're the ones they were expecting. Right? Like, don't they have, like, model numbers and stuff? Right or something. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like they would have a model number or an ID number or a SIM card mm-hmm. identification or something. Right? Something. A serial yeah. number. A VIN But, number. hey, maybe they just think, <laughs> hey, they're androids. They don't – they can't, won't, whatever, do whatever they're not told to do, so – that's Maybe true. They just don't think about that. So Iko is keeping track of all the doors, all their surroundings. She's comparing it to the blueprint. 
They're preparing for 1,200 guests in this massive kitchen. And she manages to blend in, even though she has this bright blue hair and stuff. And all the androids have to do is carry a tray and smile and take care of the lunars, which is great because the humans don't actually want to be around the lunars. Mm-hmm. Can't say that I blame them. The lunars are terrifying. Right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm with them. Like, they're just not not my cup of tea. No, they can control you. They can, like, manipulate what you see and do. It sounds terrifying. I don't want right? any like, part of it. You couldn't trust your own eyes. You couldn't. It would just, it would be so difficult to be there and be like, am I really seeing this? Am I not? Ugh. I often think about that because, like, in movies and TV shows when there's a random clone or twin or something, they're always like, I can prove it's me. And they, like, reveal something that no one else would know. And I'm always like, what on earth could I possibly say that, like, only my husband would know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm a pretty open book. I don't have any secrets. Like, I have a podcast where I talk about myself all the time. Like, I can't think of anything that I could reveal that wouldn't just be common knowledge to anyone trying to impersonate me anyways. Huh. I don't know. It'd have to be, like, something, like – what did I say to you last night? Or I don't know. Some secret. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I'm trying to think I have any secrets. <laughs> I'm so boring. <laughs> we need like a code word or something. Yes. Yes, you do. Yeah. Although I'll tell you a funny wow. story about code words because my family has like a safe word. Like if any of us ever got like kidnapped and we say this like one word, we would know. However, no one told me about this safe word until I was like in college. And my sister was like, blah, 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 the family safe word. And I was like, what? There's no family safe word. And she had me call my brother and ask him. And he's like, yeah, there's a family safe word. And I was like, did no one care if I got kidnapped? Like, what? (laughs) Oh, that's so true. (laughs) Just make sure you all know what the safe word is. Okay, guys? Yeah, I have three sisters, and we we all knew the safe word. We all walked to and from school all the time. We also grew up, like, I'm kind of older, so we grew up in a time before everyone was, like, helicopter parents and stuff. So Mm -hmm. we kind of had free reign of our lives. Like, my parents probably should have paid more attention to me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But... I I remember, like, at one point, I was trying to, like, joke with my birth mom about, like, what the code word was. And she was like, oh, I forgot the code word. And I was like, oh, good thing I didn't get kidnapped because you would have been useless. Like, (laughs) Right? Right? You're like, I could have been using it. And you would have just been like, okay, glad everything's fine. See you later. (laughs) Like, Well, it makes me want to, like, check with my dad and my bonus mom and see, like, if any of them remember it. (laughs) Definitely don't do what I do. I called my brother. And I used the word because I was like, we don't have one Um, because no one had told me. And then he was like, got really serious. And he was like, are you saying like this? Like, are you saying this word? And I was like, oh, man, it's real. Like, (laughs) you know, make sure they know you're like calling to ask about it first. Yeah, like I'm the older sister. So I would probably panic if one of my sisters did that. I would be like, oh, my God, what do I do? Quentin. I got to call my husband and be like, what do we do? I have to figure this out. (laughs) I would just like straight call the police and be like, someone's in trouble. I don't know where they are, but. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, don't, I don't know where they are. I don't know exactly what the situation is, but I know that they are in trouble. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> just like dead silence on the other end of the phone. And they're like, okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, the androids don't need a safe word because they can't be manipulated. Um, yes, exactly. Which is why they're going to be the ones taking care of the lunars. The humans don't want to go <laughs> yeah. anywhere near them. Aiko yes. is standing there just waiting. She's trying to figure out what everybody else is doing. And she takes one of the androids out of the kitchen. And I love this moment where she, like, apologizes to her and is in, <laughs> you know, like, we could have been sisters, but... Um, you're lesser, you're a lesser being than I am. So I'm going to just take your clothes. Okay, bye. Like, <laughs> yes. And then she's like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> so that's oh, the end of chapter time. 46. What was your um, song choice for 46? My song choice is Change Your Mind by Sister Hazel. And one of my favorite lines from that is, if you want to be someone else, change your mind. And that just spoke to me through this chapter because Cress feels like she's becoming someone else a little bit. You know, she's putting on this dress. And then you've got Iko, of course, who like literally is just like stealing people's clothes all over the place. And Wolf, who's refusing to be someone else. Yes. Yes. So like I just listened to And plus I just love the message of like, if you do want to be someone else, like change your mind. You're special the way you are. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I like the song Most Girls by um, Haley Steinfeld, because it's like, if you want, if this makes you feel like your best self, then go for it. And I'm like, yes, exactly. I love that song, too. Yes, it's one of my favorites. So Patreon member Hannah suggested Number One Fan by Muna, and I wanted Life of the Party by Shawn Mendes because Ah. it's all about, like, taking a chance and just kind of going for it. Um, And I feel like that's what Cress is trying to do, and Wolf is like, "Mm, whatever. (laughs) And Aiko's definitely going for it. Aiko is here for the party. Can you imagine if Iko and Cress had switched roles and like Cress somehow to pretend to be like an android and Iko got to be in the ball gown? She would be rocking it so hard. Also, Iko would not put up with Wolf for a second. She'd be like, look, I know you're upset about Scarlet, but you better put on a brave, happy face and pretend that I am your girlfriend and wife because you know I look hot. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> she would be like full of amazing sass and just be like, she would lay down the lawn, yeah, and she'd be like, We're going to have a good time, okay? Because I'm here. Exactly. She wouldn't put up with the moping at all. She'd be like, look, I'm sad too, but we're at a party, so live it up, okay? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So what was your quote for chapter 46? Well, to go along with my favorite activity of twirling, I said it was, suddenly nervous, Cress gave a little twirl, displaying her full regalia. Because, again, I love twirling, and I just love the thought of her standing there looking beautiful, seeing herself as beautiful, and I just love that moment. I love that moment so much. She's having so much fun, and she's so happy, and I'm so here for it. Get our girl out of her satellite, out of her daydreams. Let her have a real night out. And she's in her first pair of real shoes. Aww. Just such a fun moment. I just, I love picture. Like you said, you know, she felt like she was a character in an opera. Like just such a beautiful scene. I loved it. Yes. Until absolutely. Wolf was all like, whatever. And then I was like, no, Wolf, this is amazing. 
Wolf is like brooding in the corner and ruining all of the all of the mood. <laughs> I would have just picked Wolf out and been like, I go, let's go. <laughs> right? But like you all right, you go and pretend to sneak in as a as a like a worker. Maybe right? you're a guard or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he might be a little too like muscular to be an android, but like at least he could be pretty stoic, like one, right? <laughs> so, chapter forty-six, my quote was: "In another life, we could have been sisters, and I feel it's important to acknowledge that." I love Aiko, and I love this moment where she she like empathizes with this other android, yeah. and she's like. Look, I don't hold it against you that you're a lesser being than myself and that you don't have any imagination. We could have even been sisters, but we're not. So give me your clothes. <laughs> right? Like, I'm even <laughs> now, but thanks. <laughs> I love it. That's a good one. Do you like that one? <laughs> These days, more authors are including mental health content in their books. But do you ever wonder how accurate some of this stuff is? Or... Do you ever read something where you know the author just gets it? I'm Elise. And I'm Priscilla. And we are Novel Feelings, a podcast where we discuss mental health issues in fiction novels. We are psychologists and book lovers, and we have a lot of opinions. So look for Novel Feelings wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your show. Chapter 47, we're back in Cress's perspective. She is living her best life the city is beautiful the palace is breathtaking and wolf is sitting there jittering and impatient and ruining the ambiance with all his nervous energy yes yes he's still like just brooding and he's like shaking his leg and you're just like wolf man come on it like desperately reminds me of way back in scarlet when wolf and scarlet were in the car together and they or the hover together and they were on their way to the train and he kept like jittering his leg and she touched his knee to get him to stop jumping yes. his knee Aww. and it makes me slightly sad because maybe that's what wolf's thinking about right now yeah and he wishes scarlet was there to just you know touch him and just calm him because she's she's that presence for him you know and it is it's got to be hard to be without her yeah she's like his anchor yeah mm. Yeah, thinking about Wolf just makes me so sad. He Aww. was subdued and motionless on the Rampion, and now his energy feels like a ticking time bomb. I love Marissa's mm-hmm. imagery so much. Oh, yes, it's amazing. And just, you know, how he's thinking of Scarlet, and, and then you have how Cress is sad that she didn't get to, to meet her, which, um, you know, it's got to be hard to kind of feel like, you know – there's a big part of the, this group of people that you don't know and they're all like missing this person and that's it's just such a difficult place to be in in a way and she never got to like meet her or know anything about her so she's kind of in this position where everyone else is like worried about scarlet and thinking about scarlet and she is worried as it went from one human being to another but she doesn't have like an emotional connection to her Hmm. yeah and so I think maybe that's why it's a little harder for her to understand Wolf and what Wolf is going through because, you know, she doesn't necessarily know what they had together um, and how deep it was and how how great their connection was. And I mean, I think she gets a sense of that further on in the chapter. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting. That conversation they have is so poetic. You're in love with her. 
And I love the slight misinterpretation because when Wolf and Scarlet determined that she was his alpha, it was meant in that animalistic way, you know, mm-hmm. sort of um, connecting on those wolf instincts that he has. And Cress, who lived in outer space most of her life, thinks of constellations and stars. Alpha is the brightest star. And Wolf kind of realizes that that's also true. She, like, grounds him. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's that's such a beautiful scene when that happens. And I do love, it's such a good characterization that Cress thinks about stars. And that's her point of reference, you know, compared to Wolf and and being an alpha as in, like, a dominating alpha. Um, And so I think that's just, it's, it's just such a cool scene. I love it. It is. And it's, again, this is a moment where Cress gets a little bit of insight into him. He is the hero of a romantic story, and Mm -hmm. he wants to rescue his beloved. Yeah. And we don't even, I mean, they don't even know if she's dead. Is she alive? Is she a prisoner? Like, they don't know any of that, you know? We don't know any of that. Like, we barely have seen her in this book, and we have reader Mm -hmm. privilege. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love this. They get to the palace and it's like a huge crowd. And I love that Chris like says spades in her head because like, oh, she sounds like Thorn. Yes. Which is, I mean, such a thing to do. Like the more time you spend with someone, the more you pick up on their catchphrases and you start to use them. And so I love that kind of moment um, as well. Yeah, my husband and I during quarantine binged all of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is hilarious. I highly recommend it. And they're always saying like, cool, 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 cool. And now my husband like can't just say cool. He has to be like, cool, 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 cool. (laughs) (laughs) But like if you haven't seen the show, people just look at us like, why are they saying cool 19 times in a row? (laughs) Right? You're like, what's going on with them? But then like to you, it makes total sense. It's it's like a – it's a fun moment of connection. Like that shows, you know, you have a good connection. Um, You guys have little inside jokes and and you are, you're adapting kind of in a way to the other person. So I think it's a good way to kind of show a relationship building that you pay enough attention to someone else that you know their catchphrases and you know what they would say in this situation. And you know, like their mannerisms and things like that. Yes. Yes, exactly. And Wolf has a really good character moment here. Cress has been afraid of Wolf and uncomfortable around him. For, for good reason. Yeah. Um, but she freezes in front of all these people. She gets so nervous and so anxious. And he kind of pulls her close mm-hmm. and, like, guides her through the crowd. And she feels small and fragile but protected. Yes. Love that. And I love her cover. She's like, okay, I'm an actress and Wolf <laughs> is my bodyguard. I'm like, yes, girl. I'm here for it. <laughs> Yes, like wear that outfit like a costume. I love that she has that. I mean, even that's how you have to think about it, like what she did. Um, she still makes it work. You know, she's playing a role. And if that's what gets her through, then I love it. Yeah, my husband jokes that like if I ever become a famous author and we go to like those giant festivals where you do book signings, he's going to get a t-shirt that says like security and he's going to wear glasses Aww. and get one of those. He's like, I get a fake earpiece, right? And I'm like, yes, yes. You, whatever, you, <laughs> whatever you want. <laughs> He's like, and I can like touch my earpiece and be like, Sparrow is safe or something. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Sparrow has landed. (laughs) Like, whatever makes you happy. (laughs) 
Oh, that's amazing. Well, hey, tell him he can come join me at festivals now and pretend to be my security guard if he really wants to like, yes, try it I out. Because I literally security. just wander the floor. We can have security be in like gold letters. Ooh, yes. Yes, I like it. Yeah, but we won't tell <laughs> him why. Awesome. We just make him wear bright gold. Yeah, so be like, <laughs> Um, He'd probably be like, oh, that's okay. Like, (laughs) yes, yes, yes. I was listening. My book is called A Touch of Gold. My first book, it's about the the cursed daughter of King Midas. So it has um, a lot to do with gold and cursed gold. And so that's why we would be wearing lots of gold. And actually, normally when I do events, I'm dressed in in all gold too. (gasps) I love that. That's perfect. called Tiger Queen, and it's about a warrior princess who fights suitors in an arena to win her right to rule. And in that case, then I either wear like red and black to match the cover or like something tiger themed. So if you go back through my Instagram, lie, you will probably see a of <laughs> Yeah. I'm not going to lie. He'd probably like the tiger thing better. <laughs> well, hey, I'm fine with that. He can, he can totally, you know, like rock that. I am, I'm cool with that. I really want you to have a bodyguard with like face paint. <laughs> <laughs> or like a lady in waiting painted gold <laughs> in my in my book launch for tiger queen um if you guys look up the cover for tiger queen it has like really thickly painted black kind of lines around some green eyes like tiger eyes and one of my friends actually painted that design on her face for the book launch so <gasps> really that's so yes, lovely yes that's and I've had people like post photos cover. on Instagram of like gold hands and stuff. And so it's like people do really cool stuff. I love it. I love all of your book covers because they're so vibrant and like eye catching. And Thank I know you. you're not supposed to, but like I'm a big book cover person. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Like I just I love oh, a good cover. Yes. And my Absolutely. my sequel to A Touch of Gold, A Curse of Gold, has a beautiful crown on the front. Like they're just so, so I love them who do them yes it's yeah so which of course Chris has a beautiful cover too I have the the hardcover edition um from back so I I have it I have all the original hardcovers and then my in-laws for Christmas got me the boxed set of all the paperbacks since I don't have I didn't have the paperbacks and I was like I don't even want to take these out of the package like (laughs) the new covers like the new new covers Okay. And paper covers. So fancy. Um, So I immediately (laughs) took them out and was just like staring at all of the details in the pictures. Right. Right. I love that. So I love book covers and I would love to. A fun fact for you guys. I actually work at a publishing company and my hand is actually on the cover of a book. So I'm a hand model. I'm not as famous actress like Cress, but... Hand model you know, Crest would still be pretty ecstatic about being a hand model. So <laughs> I know. I, I mean, cool. she'd be excited about anything, and you know, especially she plays plays her game, and um, you know, and they they make it inside and have to like make it through the ballroom. Ugh. I do love when she's like, "I am a famous actress," and Wolf is like, "Um, sure, <laughs> okay." He's Let's like, oh. <laughs> he's like, what is what going is on here, girl? <laughs> what have I gotten myself into now? 
Uh, and I love it. So they changed the invitations from Audrey and Pearl to the Canadian prime minister and his wife, despite <laughs> the fact that the prime minister deliberately did not want to attend as a political statement. They were like, well, if he's not here, then he's not using his invitations. So right? they're like, it's all good. <laughs> and we'll just pretend no one knows what he and his wife look like. So it's fine, right? right? Yeah, you know, no yeah, nothing to worry about there. <laughs> They get into the ballroom and Cress knows that there's a camera in the chandelier. So she hides. She tries to make a laugh at Wolf's phantom joke. And again, Wolf is not here for the pretend <laughs> party. He's just like, uh, okay. Whatever. Uh, he's <laughs> just a wolf. I just don't know what to do with you, Wolf. It's like he's just ready to get to Scarlet, and he'll do whatever he has to to get to Scarlet, but he's not playing along. Right, right. And I mean, they're in this enormous room with so many people around, and I I would be so nervous. I'd be like, Wolf, you need to play along right now. Like, we're going to get caught, and like, <laughs> You know who would play along is Thorn. Yes. Thorn would <gasps> so be down to play along. <laughs> He'd be like, yeah, we can tell everybody I'm a famous captain. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, he would want to be a famous person, too. So then he'd be like, hey, what's up? <laughs> yes. Right? Like, in that way, they're so well-suited for each other because Thorn would definitely be down to go into a fabulous party and fancy dress with a hot girl on his arm. Right? Right? Which... <laughs> Sounds like fun to me. Like, sign me up for that. Right? Let's go. <laughs> I am yes. always loving those scenes in movies when people are at, like, a fancy dress party and they walk by and grab a glass of champagne off a tray somewhere. And I'm like, why don't these parties exist in my life? Okay. <laughs> right? Like, every Hallmark movie, there's, like, one of those, um, you know, there's some gala or, like, Christmas benefit or something going on. And I'm like, where are my invitations getting lost to these events? Because I don't want <laughs> right? <to>. Nobody invites <laughs> me. <laughs> right? I would the, gladly get a ball down and go. <laughs> the fanciest thing I've ever been to is my husband uh, is in the military and he graduated uh, Airman Leadership School to be a staff sergeant. And they had this, like – big banquet hall and he had to wear a uniform and I he had to be in like his dress uniform his blues I had to be in like there was a dress code for my dress like how the spouses were supposed to dress mm. I had gotten I had a friend like curl my hair I have naturally curly hair but like I had her do real curls with like a curling iron and so I looked really fancy and Ooh. I was so here for it and my husband was not <sighs> like my Aww. husband was like oh I have to wear my blues and oh I have to like you know, he had to, like, talk to all these people and, like, you know, uh-huh. you have to be, like, on your A-game. You can't accidentally curse or say a joke that's inappropriate. You have, you know, you have to constantly identify people by their rank. And I was just like, let's go dance and, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'd be with you. Like, oh, I see. Yeah, this is why I'm like, this is my fun. Movie. And then I can dress up at the movie premiere and just wear, like, a gorgeous ball gown. And I'll be like, yeah, this is amazing. So here's my plan for the future as of right this second. When Corona is over and there are book signings and stuff and I go to one that you're at, you and I will have a party at a hotel somewhere (laughs) and we'll invite all the authors and we'll tell everybody to get dressed up and we'll just have so much fun being fabulous. And we can pretend to be actresses and have accents and everything, the whole nine yards. I love it. Let's do it. I'm in. I'm sold. Yeah. And you know, I think Marissa would also be in. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want in on this? So, like, right? it would be amazing. It would be so fun. I would – I actually have a gold <laughs> ball gown that I have not worn yet. So I need to break out this gold ball gown. I have one ball gown that – <laughs> Everyone listening is gonna like completely baffle at me. I wore to a Yule ball. <laughs> there was a Harry Potter Yule ball. I made my husband go. I was Hermione. He was <laughs> he he's a tall redhead, so he was Ron. And I wore this like really pretty blue dress because in the book her dress is blue. Uh, and I definitely felt like a princess. You need to come to Indiana. Just move to Indiana and hang out with me. I'll be your date to all these events. We'll go to every Yule Ball. Oh, see, every year I used to go to a masquerade ball on New Year's Eve in downtown Indianapolis. So can I ask what part of Indiana you live in? Yeah, I live just like basically in Indianapolis, just on the north side of Indianapolis. Okay, because my husband's family, like he and I grew up in a town called Clinton, Illinois. Oh, okay. Um, which is where they have the apple and pork festival. Ooh. So it's a town of like 5,000 people. And that's like the only thing we're known for is the apple and pork festival. And it's only like eight hours from Indianapolis, if I remember correctly. So maybe next time I'm home, we can like meet in the middle for lunch or something. Where do you live now? If Corona is no longer a thing. Uh, Right now we live in Mississippi. We've got one year left here and we don't know where we're going next. I'm hoping for Colorado. Ooh, that would be fun. Right? But you never know. They might send us to Alaska or Oklahoma or who knows. <laughs> right. You just we never certainly know. weren't expecting <laughs> we certainly weren't expecting Mississippi, so Okay. Okay. Well, hey, yeah, definitely let me know when you're when you're back up this way. Yes, that's so exciting. I would love that. So back to the book. <laughs> <laughs> They're in this enormous ball gown room or ballroom. She feels completely engulfed by all of it. They have one hour before the ceremony, so they really kind of have to kill time. Which you know Wolf is going to love, clearly. (laughs) Yeah, Wolf is like so not down for it. He's completely ignoring her. He's like, why are you being weird and pretending to be an actress and laughing at jokes that I'm not telling? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love it. So... (laughs) She's like, should we, like, mingle or something? And this is the first time he gives her, like, a full sentence. He's like, I think we'd better not, but perhaps we could sympathize with some caged birds. Hmm. It's a good point. Yeah, Mingling's probably not a good idea. It might help you blow your cover pretty quickly if someone asks the wrong question. Or you're like, hi, how are you? And they're like, we talked on the phone. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> they're like, so- about this proposal in Canada. <laughs> It's, it's like, let's not uh, uh, do um, business talk here. Oh, you know what? Uh, someone's calling me. Bye. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what was your chapter title for chapter 47? So this one I went with Light Up the Sky by the Afters. It's just a fun song about, you know, about light and light of the sky. And it goes along with what we talked about earlier about um, – you know, Crest saying the whole like alpha thing and and Wolf thinking it's like a dominating alpha and she was thinking it's a star. Um, so that's why I really liked Light Up the Sky because they're they're traveling through the sky and then they get there and they talk about stars and how Scarlet is kind of the star of Wolf's life of, of his life. And so I just kind of love that image. I love that image too. 
So Patreon member Hannah suggested, there's a good reason these tables are numbered, honey. You just haven't thought of it yet by Panic at the Disco, one of my favorite bands. <laughs> Such a great song. I'm not sure I know that song. I'm going to pick it up. Uh, it's like one of their older songs. It's by okay. the by the name you can tell, right? Like because OG oh, Panic at the Disco and <laughs> Fallout Boy used to name their songs the most random long titles that made no sense. Uh, so my song was "A Lovely Night" from Roger and Hammerstein Cinderella because yeah. I love. Chris being at this party, finally getting to have fun and dress up. I'm not about Wolf ruining it for her, but I kind of feel bad for Wolf too because he just wants his Scarlet back. No, he's like, he's sad. He's moping a little bit in his own way. I mean, it's not like clearly visible, but yeah, he's definitely just sad. I remember the first time I read through this, I was like, yeah, be sad, Wolf. Crest, be more sympathetic. And now I'm like, Wolf, play along. <laughs> right? She's in her ball game. I have this moment. <laughs> exactly. So what was your quote for Chapter 47? I should have gone with a different one. I went with the, in a constellation, the brightest star is called the Alpha. I thought maybe you meant she's like your brightest star. Although there was another one towards the very end of the chapter where they also, um, where they described beautiful like columns and flowers and everything. And it almost went with that one. So I should have, since we talked so much about this quote already. So that'll be my like backup quote. I love this quote though. And for Patreon members at the end of every book, I make like a, like a digital book packet and it has like every chapter quote we came up with all the songs and all my notes and stuff. So you know, in like four months when people read through it, they won't remember everything we talked about. They'll just see that quote. Oh, I love that. Because, I mean, it does have so many good quotes in this book of just small little lines that show how people are loved or cared for or just beautiful moments. Absolutely. And my quote was, you know, shortly after yours. So they kind of go together. Mm-hmm. I picked, he was like the hero of a romance story and he was trying to rescue his beloved. Break my heart, Marissa. I know, right? Like, oh, uh, come on. Just shoot me. It'll die. I'll die faster. <laughs> so this week, the bonus word hair appeared one time and there was one Easter egg. And I want to take a few minutes to talk about your books. Yes. Yeah, I can definitely tell you all about that. So um, like I said, my books are called A Touch of Gold and A Curse of Gold. So those are um, two books in a series, it's a complete series, and it is about the cursed daughter of King Midas who has some magical gold abilities and has to go out and fight pirates and betrayers and thieves on her quest to get her father's gold back when it gets stolen. Um, I like to describe it as kind of like a Disney movie on steroids. You know, you've got lots of fun characters, just really cool locations, islands full of pirates. Um, Yeah. And then my other book, like I mentioned, is called Tiger Queen. And it is a retelling of the short story, The Lady or the Tiger, which has an infamous cliffhanger ending, if you guys have ever read it. And if you haven't read it, you can definitely check it out. It's like on Project Gutenberg. It's only like maybe five paragraphs long. It's a very short, short story. Um, But it has a cliffhanger ending. And I've always wanted to retell it. And that's what Tiger Queen became. So it is about a warrior princess who fights suitors in an arena to win her right to rule. But when her last suitor is announced as the one man she's never been able to beat in a fight, she has to scramble to figure out how she's going to keep her throne. 
That sounds really interesting. I Yeah, like I said, I've, I've read A Touch of Gold and I'm getting the sequel. I ordered it. It'll be here soon. Um, Yay! And so I'm, I haven't read Tiger's Curse, though. I'm really excited. And now I kind of want to read the short story first. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a really interesting short story. So I read it in probably like seventh grade, I think it was. Um, my English teacher assigned it to me. And so fun fact, I actually dedicated the book to that English teacher who assigned it to me. Um, because it's, it's well known that it has this cliffhanger ending that people have been debating for years. I mean, years. Um, and I wanted to give it the ending it maybe always should have had, which is maybe not the ending you're expecting if you read that short story. But just know, again, the short story is from the 1800s. So it's a little bit dry is perhaps a word I would go with. It's it's very repetitive. It kind of starts out like, there was a barbaric king. He was barbaric. The barbaric king had a, brother, <laughs> was a princess. And you're like, okay, I got that. Like, move it along. I get it. Barbaric. Yes, right? Like, okay. And his daughter is the princess. Got that. Okay, moving on. Um, but yeah. yeah, so it's definitely a really interesting read that just that cliffhanger stayed with me for years. And so I've always kind of wanted to solve it. So I, I love hearing why people write books. Like, I love the origins of people's writing. Like, for example, um, Ransom Riggs, who wrote the Miss Peregrine series, which is an amazing series, was inspired mm-hmm. because he found a box. He like was at an antique shop and found a box of all these random photos. And he wanted, he's like, oh, photos are supposed to tell a story. And like, so he got inspired to write this like six book series based off of nothing but these random pictures that he found in a box. And I'm like, this is so freaking rad. Like, I right? think that is such a cool idea of like, I'm just going to write a story based off of this. Like, and I, I just love hearing how and why people came up with stories. Yes. And so then A Touch of Gold actually came about after watching Pirates of the Caribbean, because if you've seen that movie, they have to track down all this kind of cursed gold. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, started thinking about cursed gold, which led me to King Midas, which led me to King Midas's daughter, because, you know, in so many versions of the myth, he turns his daughter to gold. So in my version, she's been turned back into a living, breathing human being, but she's kind of got some lasting side effects, one of which is she can sense the other objects her father turned to gold. So when they get stolen, she has to be the one to go out and bring them back and find them. Um, And so I really just wanted to kind of take a look at a fairy tale from a different perspective, from one that we don't normally see and don't normally hear, hear about. And, you know, she's such a forgotten character in the original. She's just there so that her father learns that, like, oh, man, it was kind of a mistake to ask for the power to turn things to gold because now I just turned my daughter into a statue. Um, so it's, you know, it's not only be careful what you wish for, but it's kind of, you know, how do you how do you come back from that? How do you have a relationship with your father after he turns you to gold? Like, you know, how would your life be different after that? So I really wanted to explore, like, a strong female character um, and a princess role um, from that perspective. I love it. And I think it's executed so lovely. Oh, thank you. I had a lot of, a lot of fun writing it. Like I said, there's pirates, there's, you know, thieves, there's twists and turns. Um, I think there's like something for everybody, you know, kind of there's, there's adventure, there's, there's, you know, romance, there's, scary parts. And yeah, I think there's something for everybody. 
Yeah, thank you. So I, I enjoyed writing it. And so, yeah, I'm definitely working on some new fairy tale retellings and some other stuff. And hopefully you guys will hear more from me this year, but just just working on getting stuff done. So that's that's what I'm up to. Well, where can people follow you on social media so that they can keep uh, track of everything? Yeah, you can definitely find me um, on Facebook. Just search author Annie Sullivan. Um, you can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at A-N-N-S-U-L-L-I-V-A. Um, yeah, and if you if you ever want to drop me a line, you can just you know find my website, AnnieSullivanAuthor.com. Um, there's a contact form. It comes directly to me. You're always welcome to reach out if you have questions or if you want to talk about something, um, if you love the books, if you didn't love the books, whatever. Always um, feel free to reach out to me because I love <laughs> – chatting with people. Yeah. I mean, that's how I got you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You were on Marissa's podcast and you were like, I love Chris. I could talk about Chris forever. And I was like, ooh. And then you were like, yeah, people can contact me on my website. I always answer. And I'm like, all right, let's see if she really does always answer. Like I was, <laughs> like, I was typing up the email while I was listening to the episode at that point. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it does. It totally comes directly to me. Like, it doesn't go through my publisher first or anything. So always happy to to talk with people. Um, and yeah, like you said, you just reached out. So anyone, please get in contact with me. Let's talk books. Like, I totally fangirled my whole way through the interview with Marissa Meyer. Like, when my publicist <laughs> told me we got that interview, I was, like, celebrating and texting all my friends, even the friends who, like, aren't big readers. I'm like, I got an interview with Marissa Meyer. And they're like, who's that? And I'm like, best author ever. Like, how would you not know that? Um, right? And then I was, like, fangirled about Crest the entire interview, which you guys can go listen to on Marissa Meyer's podcast. Yes, and please do because it's a wonderful episode. It made me read your books and it made me email you. And I totally get that because obviously I fangirl with Marissa. Like I have a podcast about her books specifically, Um, but my husband is not a reader at all. So he was basically just like, yeah, sure. You're going to have a podcast. That's cute. And then like I actually got to go and meet Marissa. And when I met her for at a book signing, I was like, okay, here's a t-shirt and a postcard and a cup uh, with my logo. I have a podcast about your books. Just thought you should know that. Uh, (laughs) And then like she emailed me. I got to be on an episode with her. She's come on the podcast and we've developed a relationship luckily. And I remember like as soon as I actually started talking to her and doing episodes with her, my husband was like, maybe I should look into this author. And he like Googled her and he's like, holy crap, this author is like one movie away from being the next JK Rowling. And I'm like, I I told you she's big. Okay. Like, (laughs) yes. And she's so sweet and so kind. You know, I've gotten to meet her at like, yeah, some of the book events and and be on her podcast. And she's just so genuine. Although I don't know if you guys have not listened to her podcast episode with me, unless you went on a secret. One of the first things she told me when we got on the podcast episode is, Annie, I'm really upset with you. And I was like, what did I do? How did I anger Marissa Meyer? Like, what have I done to deserve this? (laughs) Um, And it's because she wanted to name her next book, A Touch of Gold. And then when she started interviewing uh-huh. me, she's like, well, now I can't do that. But she was like, don't worry. I found a, I found another title. And I was like, oh, okay. But I was like, you can have it. Do you want the book title? Like, I know it's already published. But like, <laughs> you can have it. You're Marissa. Nobody can say no to you. It's fine. You can, you can take whatever you need, Marissa. <laughs> she was so nice. Yes, I love it. She actually decided on gilded, which means to cover in a thin layer of gold. So 
Um, yes. But yeah, I do. I do remember that part of the interview. And I, I remember thinking like, God, if Marissa started anything with I'm mad at you, I would just like burst into tears. <laughs> I know. I was like, I wasn't having a little panic attack, but I was just like, <gasps> like I, I gasped and I was like, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? <laughs> like, No, I think I would have the exact same reaction. <laughs> I definitely was like that when I first emailed her too, because I was like, okay, I have to be like professional and like non like fangirly. Like I need to hold it together. And then like, I finally got to talk to her and I was like, oh, she's nice. Thank God. Cause you know, <laughs> you never know when you're meeting like a celebrity or an idol or something like, mm-hmm. you know, they're kind of not a real person until you meet them. And so you don't really know what to expect. They might be great. Yes. They might really, really not. Um, and I'm always like really nervous of what if they're not. Right. I mean, I've met one person who was not super nice, but they were like, they weren't an, I mean, they were an author, but they're a celebrity first and they didn't care to be there at the book event, but everyone else I've met has just been amazing. They've been so kind. Like, I mean, there was one time I was back in the green room and Holly Black was sitting there and she was like, oh, hey. And she started talking to me. And she's like, yeah, I'm just sitting here waiting for, for Cassie. And I was like, oh, who's Cassie? And she's like, oh, Cassandra Clare. She's just finishing up her signing. And she's going to meet me back here. And I was just like, what is this? Like, what is my life right now? You know? And then, like, there's Brandon Sanderson hanging out. And so it's just – it's really cool to get to go to the events. That is exactly how I would be. <laughs> you know, I like walked into the green room and I was like, I don't belong here. Why did they let me in? <laughs> I'm not famous enough to be here. I It's kind of surreal, like getting to have those experiences, though. Like um, when I went to the North Texas Teen Book Festival last year, it was with the sole intention of like, OK, Marissa is going to be there. So I'll get in line. I'll have her sign my book. I'll tell her about my podcast. And then, you know, she'll know about the podcast and maybe she'll support it, which would be really great. Um, and mm-hmm. my hope was like maybe she would share it on social media or something. I had no idea that she was going to be like kind <laughs> and email me Aww. and do episodes with me. And now I'm on her website and all this other stuff. And so like I told everybody I was going to be there on my podcast. But at the time I had like 400 followers and like 30 episodes. I didn't even have a Patreon yet. Like I just did Aww. not know. I didn't have a lot for my podcast yet. So I wasn't expecting anything. And then I got so lucky. I met like 30 people that like were big fans of the podcast. And Aww. I had a t-shirt on that said like Prince Ty Fan Pod and had like my logo. And I had people that were coming up to me and they were like, hey, I didn't know they were selling Prince Kai Fan Pod shirts. Where did you get one? And I was like, oh, I am Prince Kai Fan Pod. And they were like, oh my God. And I got, I got pictures. One girl even asked for my autograph. And I was like, this is the most su- surreal experience of my entire life. <laughs> That's amazing. That's just so much fun. And, you know, if, for any listeners out there, like, don't be afraid to reach out to authors through, like, their websites or whatever. Like, just drop them a line. Say, like, hey, I loved your work. Maybe you won't get a response, but maybe you'll make their day. Like, sometimes they are having a bad writing day, and maybe your email will arrive just in time to give them a little boost and be like, yeah, I should go back and keep working on this. Um, like, I literally just dropped a line, to, like I told you, to Jennifer Lynn Barnes, who um, – she wrote the inheritance games and I, I really enjoyed that book. And so I was like, you know what? I don't know her as a person. Um, and so I just contacted her through her website and haven't heard anything back, but I was just like, Hey, just wanted to let you know from one author to another, really enjoyed your book. Thanks. You know? Um, I love that. So yeah, don't be afraid to reach out guys. You never know what that, what doors can open, what can happen. Um, authors are generally pretty nice people. 
And it's easier for them to communicate Every- over email too, because then they don't have to like talk face to face. And then they're shy. They don't have to go anywhere. anywhere. They're already on their computer writing all the time anyways. So Right. I know. I'm like, I just live in my pajamas. <laughs> I did change out of my pajamas just for this podcast because I didn't know if we would be on camera or not. It's always like hit or miss. So I was like, oh, oh yeah, that's true. I don't do camera anymore because well, one, this is cheaper <laughs> and grad yes. school is expensive. Um, but two, like, I found that I don't like getting ready. I am in my jam jams yeah. currently, which by the way, my jam jams, my husband got them for me for Christmas. So they're covered in like dogs. Cause I'm a Aww. big dog person. And I'm like, I have a blue healer staffy named Scamp. He's my seizure dog. Aww. And then we also have a beagle lab named Beowulf, who is autistic. So he follows me around everywhere. And he's the sweetest dog in the universe. Right now, my sisters so are visiting cute. me and the dogs are obsessed with them. Oh, I love dogs. So that's why I'm like, I'm in for this. I'm such a dog person and um yeah the like scamp usually sleeps with us but uh he felt the need to like know where everyone was so he's just constantly going back and forth from like the guest room to the living room to my room like just just Aww. checking on everybody like this poor dog probably hasn't gotten any sleep cuz he's just constantly running around the house seeing what everybody's doing <laughs> just patrolling he's like I got this guys I'm on it <laughs> yeah <laughs> They love the attention oh, and the company, and my sisters love them, so they're they're getting lots of love right now. Aw, I'm thinking of getting a new puppy. I don't know. I'm- <gasps> Please do. I love puppies Aww. so much. I am so good with dogs. Like, message me if you have any questions. I will help as much as possible. I, I trained my dog uh, to be a seizure dog on my own. Like, we didn't do any academy Aww. stuff, so, like, I am super good with dogs. Ooh, I'm going to need you to just drive out here and like, we'll stay, we'll talk all things writing and you can just train my dog because I'm worried. Like, we'll just trade like, in information. It'll be like barking at like 4am and I'll be like, I can't, I need sleep. One of the best things that I do for barking is peanut butter. Can't bark if they've got a glob of peanut butter on the roof of their mouth. I'm not... <laughs> I, I, I say that to some people and they're like, isn't that the same as like bribing a toddler with candy? And I'm like, have you ever bribed a toddler with candy? It totally works. Like, <laughs> I understand if you don't want to, but it works. And so that's fine work. with me. Okay. <laughs> it works right, and that's what matters. Emails from me. Like, yes, how do I do Please well? do. I love it. <laughs> and I am always answering my emails. Like if someone emails me, I answer. So I'm just that person. So awesome. I like that. So you're like me. Like you'll hear back. Like, which is good. I get that all the time. Like people (laughs) people will email me about the podcast. Like they'll have a question or they'll just want to say how much they love it or something. And I'll email back and they'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe you emailed me back. And I'm like, of course. Like I would have I will never not email you back. Well, okay. Yeah. I guess if you were like really creepy and you say you're going to come kill me, I probably won't email you back. I'll just cry. But I like to think nobody yeah, listening exactly. is like a stalker, I so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've been watching a lot of unsolved mystery episodes lately, okay? So just be careful. <laughs> I know. It's like <laughs> I can always tell when like I've been watching a little bit too much Law and Order or something because I'll start to think every noise in a parking lot is going to like come get me. 
<laughs> I love Law and Order so much, so I'm with you there. <laughs> I know. I'll watch Law and Order and my husband will come in and he'll be like, yeah, this just makes me never want to leave the house. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> Honestly, though, a fun fact for like anyone listening, I when I give presentations, I actually use Law and Order as a really good representative of how you should often structure a story because if you watch enough Law and Order, which obviously Bethany, you and I have, um, you will start yes. to notice a pattern <laughs> in that like they will introduce the murderer within like the first four minutes, but you don't yeah. know that person is a murderer until like 10 minutes from the end because there's so much like, oh, they had an alibi, but suddenly oh, that was a lie or like, you know, like, oh, it's just, so I make a game of being like, like, yep, the, did it. the one where the, the murderer turned out to be like the reporter that was constantly asking questions. I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh man, it's just, it's or like, Suddenly, like, you'll be at the funeral for someone and, like, someone's sister's cousin shows up and the cousin's suddenly, like, comforting the people who have, like, lost a loved one. And you're like, you don't introduce that character unless there's a reason. You're not paying an extra <laughs> to do that. So yes. I'm like that with books, too. Like, um, have you ever read the Selection series? Yes. Yes. When they introduce – spoiler for anyone who hasn't read their selection series, fast forward like a minute and a half. When they introduce <laughs> yes. the guy that Marley falls in love with, I'm like, okay, this has to be important. Like not – it wasn't just that she like ran into him in the hallway. Like she described what he looked like. She described what he was wearing. She remembered uh-huh. his name. And then he showed up like three other times randomly and I was like, who is this character? Why is he so important? <laughs> right? As an author, yeah. Anytime someone gets more than like three characteristics mentioned – that person's going to be important. Or if they're not important, you need to take back that description because people will notice. Yeah. And people will be like, okay, well, that was a waste because you just made me like pay attention to every word thinking that person was important. And then it never came to fruition. Right. Right. See, you just, oh, so many tricks you got to learn to be an author, guys. It's, it's crazy out there to <laughs> get them all, get them all done. And like, I've taken like so many creative writing courses and like almost every professor has a different concept. But one of my favorite professors, he was just like, you know what, just think of something like we would have like these Zoom meetings for class. And he was like, at at one point, he was like, okay, you know what, just think of something you have five minutes ago. And I was like, what? And so I just came up with, I just came up with something like I used some of the tools he taught me and I just kind of wrote something. And then he was like, okay, now take whatever you did and turn it into a short story with a minimum of like 10 pages. And that's your assignment for this week. And I was like, whoa, is this what creative writing is? This is so much fun. Like, I just get to do whatever I want. Okay. (laughs) Yes. See, and that's, that's what I love is you can take any story and just make it your own, you know? Um, So, yeah, and that's, again, that's why I love rewriting books is because I love to write about, like, forgotten characters, like the daughter of King Midas. Um, Or, again, in Tiger Queen, the princess is, again, more of a means to an end. She's a very minor character in the original story. Um, I mean, she has a role, but, like, I wanted to make her a strong female protagonist. So she is. I mean, she was basically born with a sword in her hand, in my version. And she has to fight in that arena to prove that she's strong enough to rule. Because if she loses to an opponent, she has to marry them, and they get to become king instead. So, Ooh, you know. Yes. Yeah, so she has a lot at stake. So, like, not only does she not want to lose, first of all, but, like, she really doesn't want to lose, especially to, like, certain people who may not, you know, 
be the best or the kindest or, you know, have good intentions for her kingdom. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And as a writer, like I I wrote a short story that I came up with because um, I I had to like, I was thinking of, okay, well, what kind of a character do I want to write a story about? And so it all came because I wanted to write this type of a character and the book I'm working on now, which will be a full novel came because I was like, what do I, I was trying to think of what I wanted to write. And I had all these ideas for stories. And I was like, you know what, what do I want to read right now? What do I feel like there's not enough of out there? What kind of a story do I think deserves to be told and needs to be told, but we don't see it enough. And so I was like, Mm -hmm. I know exactly what I'm going to do. That's that's what I'm going to enter the authorship world as, or at least try to, and then I can do whatever I want. But that's where I want to like make my first stance, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And that's awesome. You know, like write what you love, write what you would want to read. I mean, that's what I do. Like, like I said, I love Disney movies. Um, and so this is like a little bit, a little bit more advanced than a Disney movie because, you know, it has a rather violent villain in it who... I don't know. Spoiler alert. He collects the skulls of his victims. Um, I mean, he's terrifying. He's so well written. Like the description of him, I was like, oh, this guy is scary. Like this is what nightmares are made of. This is how you go from like a PG-13 to an R. (laughs) I love writing villains because I guess, I don't know, I'm a pretty happy like bubbly person. So for me to like write a villain, it's just like, who would I not be? Or what would I not do? And what would I not say? And then I just have them do that. Absolutely. Like I'm such a like, I'm not good at like snarky, witty comebacks or zingers or anything like that. I'm so non-confrontational. I'm I'm literally like, I just want everybody to be nice and hold hands and rainbows. Um, and so like the protagonist of my book, she's so snarky and she's sassy and she has like this huge attitude problem. And I'm like, this is Aww. so much fun because I can't act like this in real life. But like, I love getting to do it vicariously through her. yes exactly like no consequences for me but you can do all these things exactly absolutely (laughs) so my request is if you ever want to my favorite fairy tale is Rapunzel so you like fairy tales you're writing adaptations that's that's what I would love because I just love Rapunzel Entangled is my favorite movie ever Oh, I mean, like I would, I've, I've at least like started almost a version of like almost every single fairy tale that like exists. It feels like sometimes I finish them. Sometimes I don't. Um, I've got like four or five drafts of novels that I just need to like revise and deal with. But I feel like as a writer, that's what like the inside of our brain is like, right? Is it's like all these like half finished projects or ideas that we just like like, haven't gotten to yet. Yes. And that's actually the novel I just finished. I finished it in November. And so it's with, like I said, a couple of readers right now to get some feedback. But like I had been thinking of writing a novel like that for probably like five or six years. And I just couldn't get like the right characters, the right plot, like things to to line up. And so I call it like marinating where like it's in my mind, but I'm not like actively working on it. But then someday it just like suddenly like clicks and I'm like, that's where it needs to go or that's who that character needs to be. Or what if I introduce this to the plot and then it it does. It gets like better. So, you know, don't feel like you have to always come up with an idea right away. Like it can take take some time to to kind of get there. And I think it's also okay to like have half cocked ideas. Oh yeah. You know, like it's okay if you if you don't finish your book in a month or a year or two years. Like and it's mm-hmm. also okay if you write the whole thing in like two weeks. Like whatever works for you and the story you're trying to tell. Yeah, exactly. And everyone has different writing processes. I mean 
I know someone who literally locks themselves away for a weekend from their family in their room and says, no one bother me. And they write like 50,000 words in one weekend for their book. Like that's just what works for them. And and so, I mean, for me, I try to write like a minimum kind of word count a day because um, that's what works for me. So like everyone is going to be different. Maybe some people literally only can do it in 10 minute chunks between feeding a baby or going to work or, you know, whatever Absolutely. it is, studying. Um, so don't like be discouraged if you're like, well, I don't have an hour to do this or I don't, you know, like you'll find the time. You just, and, you know. and especially like if a muse hits you, you know, like mm-hmm. I, okay. So I um, have the podcast, which takes probably about 30 hours a week. Um, and then I'm in grad school, but I'm <laughs> kind of crazy about grad school. I take six classes a semester because I'm trying to graduate early. Um, wow. <laughs> and yeah, well, I did my entire bachelor's degree in uh, like 13 months, I think. So wow. I was kind of like, I could do that. I could do, I could do grad school too. Like, um, but I, I'm just one of those people, like I, I have to be busy. I have to be doing something. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was like mid-November that I got the idea for my book and I started like taking notes and researching and coming up with ideas. And then like at one point, my husband came home from work and was like, hey, how was your day? And I was like, good. I started writing a book. And he was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, I started writing the book. And he was like, like a chapter. And I was like, no, I got about 25,000 words at the moment. And he was like, awesome. so I went to work and you wrote a book. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, so you just wrote a book. And I was like, yep. He's like, you don't think you have enough going on? And I was like, I guess not. (laughs) I mean, I do have a lot going on. Like, I won't pretend that I don't. But this was just an idea that I had. And I didn't, I wanted to run with it. I don't want my idea to escape my brain. So exactly. Like, when that inspiration hit for it, go with it. Yeah. Like, don't, don't let it slip away. Like, or even if you can just jot down some notes, you know, like, whatever you can do, like, oh. That's amazing. Yeah. And my husband is so great. He's like my sounding board. So I'm like, okay, I need to just talk about what I'm doing. Let's go for a walk. And he's like, okay. And we'll go for a walk for like an hour. And I'm like, okay, I think I want this scene to take place. And he'll be like, yeah, that's cool. Or he'll be like, you know, that doesn't like logistically work, right? You know? (laughs) (laughs) So, or, or I'll, I'll be like, yeah, and I want my man character to do this. And he's like, you know, guys don't really act like that. Right. And I was like, it's a story. They can act however they want. And he's like, well, I'm just letting you know, no guy would actually say that. And I'm like, well, they will in my book. Like <laughs> this, guy does. <laughs> this guy does, you don't know. <laughs> he's like that with movies too. Like, well, watch, I'll watch like a rom-com and he'll like walk by and he'll be like, no, no guy actually talks like that. And I was like, Aww. just because you've never met a guy that does that doesn't mean they don't exist. Okay. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Just because you're not romantic doesn't mean that there aren't romantic men out there. (laughs) Yes, right? Like, everyone's different. So this person can clearly exist if I want them to. Exactly. I will ask his opinion sometimes, though. I'm like, okay, well, if if a guy wouldn't say that, what would he say? And then maybe I can come up with something that's more realistic or, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. There's between the two, yeah. Exactly. I feel like my brain is like always coming up with ideas. And so I'm just like, I really just need to talk out loud. 
Yeah. I mean, sometimes like that's one of the best things you can do, especially for writer's block is like talk it out with a critique partner or, you know, yeah, your husband or friend or just talk it out loud or write it down. Whatever you can do to get it out there is, is always helpful. I agree. I agree. Do you have any like author tips for everyone who's listening? Because I know a lot of my listeners are aspiring writers. Yes. Yes. Let's get into that real quick. So my first amazing tip, guys, is never give up. Okay. Because if you're trying, especially if you're trying to get traditionally published, like I think it took me nine months, two novels, and over a hundred rejections from literary agents to find my agent. Um, And so when my agent finally signed me on for one book, which it was a fairy tale retelling, but I'm not gonna tell you what it was because I'm still hoping to get it out there someday. We worked on that book, we revised (laughs) it, sent it out to get published and no one wanted it. So that book didn't sell on submission. So then I came back to A Touch of Gold and I told my my um, my literary agent I had that book, um, which fun fact, that was the first book that I went out to literary agents with and no literary agent wanted it. Um, so that's when I moved to the second book. Yeah. So finally, a literary I agent wanted that book. That. that book is amazing. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, yeah, the, that's what I thought that. too, but then- all the agents were like, no, I'm going to pass on this. So wasn't that's when like, I moved uh, Wasn't it like 19 yeah. publishers passed on Harry Potter? Like they don't know what they're talking about. Oh, yeah, exactly. So then um, my literary agent and I, we we switched to a different book, and which was A Touch of Gold, and we worked that one up and sent it out to publishers and finally someone wanted it. So that whole process took like two years. Um, so it's a very long process. So like be in it to win it, you guys. Like don't give up. I mean, it could take – I know people who've gotten six-figure deals literally overnight, and I know people who took them writing 10 books to get a literary agent. So just have patience, believe in yourself, and surround yourself with people who are going to support you. Um, Because so often there's going to be people like – oh, who is it? uh, Is it James Campbell? Someone – Joseph Campbell calls them like the guardians of the gate – they don't want you to go out into the scary world to achieve your dreams because they think you're going to get hurt or they think maybe you will achieve greatness and they won't look as good um, compared to you. And so, um, you know, be aware of those guardians at the gate who are going to try and stop you and hold you back and and surround yourself with, with other people. Maybe make fans in the fandom of the Prince Kai, you know, fan pod group and find other writers who are willing to read your work and support you. Like if you get a rejection from a literary agent or a publisher, you know, find people who are going to be like, oh, it's okay. You'll, you'll get them with the next one instead of people who are like, ah, oh, maybe it's time to give up now, you know, because you are, you are going to want to give up. I'm not going to lie. I probably sobbed in my bed a couple times because I wanted to give up because I would get six rejections in a day of people saying, you are not good enough. You are not good enough. You are not good enough. And that weighs on you as a person. Um, so just, you know, be kind to yourself. Um, do as much as you can beforehand to get your book into the best shape. That means finding critique partners to help you read your book, um, preferably someone who is also a writer of some sort, um, so they can give you some good feedback. Um, but again, when it comes, sorry, I have like a thousand tips. No, I love it. I have so many listeners that are writers, so this is like super oh, valuable. Good, so talk good. as much as possible. Okay, I'll just just keep spitballing <laughs> here. But yeah, like, if you're getting feedback, don't always listen to someone saying like, "Oh, you should have done this in your story," or it "Would have been better if you'd done this instead." Um, I've always kind of been told that like when someone tells you how to fix your story, they're wrong. When someone tells you there's something wrong with your story, they're right in that they say like, 
oh, this character just didn't ring true to me. Or like, why would your character do this in chapter two? But then in chapter seven, they do like something they said they would that they said they would never do, you know, that you wrote in chapter two. Like that doesn't make sense to me. So like if someone is saying something's wrong, listen to that and at least pay attention to like, could they be right? Could I fix that? Is something not quite making sense? But if they're like, oh man, you should have had like a tornado up here, like mm, yeah. take that with a grain of salt, you know? Um uh, oh, first lines, super important. You know, the first line of A Touch of Gold is, um, I've only ever turned one man to gold, and that was an accident, right? You want to leave them having questions, wanting more, not quite knowing what's going on. Um, so, like, don't don't try to start with someone waking up and looking in the mirror because that's completely overdone. And, hey, if you did it, don't worry. I've been there too, okay? Um, but, you know, really come up with a dynamic <laughs> opening line if you can. Um, Oh, sorry. I've got like 40,000 things. I'm like, what can you do? You know, uh, with setting, definitely consider how you're adding setting to a piece. Um, are you saying like they walked into the room and there was a red upholstered chair and a rug with, um, you know, a dresser sitting atop it. But instead, if you say, you know, Bethany walked into the room, her feet brushing over the, you know, the brocade rug or whatever you want to call it, um, as she ran her fingers um, across the dresser, and made her way to the windowsill. When you do it that second way, you're incorporating the setting into the action. Bethany is experiencing the setting at the same time the reader is, instead of feeling like they're plunked into a room with a chair and a rug and a dresser, right? Instead of feeling the rug and moving towards the dresser and the window. So try again to really um, show, not tell, um, all that kind of stuff. Sorry, that was like a lot that I just threw at you in like five minutes. No, I, um, I mean, seriously, I absolutely love it. You I, you can have as much time as you want to talk about this. I, I have so many <laughs> listeners that are writers, um, and I myself am a writer, so I love getting that kind of information. And I think it's so important to to have critique partners and to mm-hmm. to get that feedback, but I think it's also important to know what to do with that feedback. Um, and how to best interpret it. Like I, my, one of my favorite critique partners, um, well, not really a critique partner. She's just a reader because she doesn't write. Mm-hmm. But Ashley, my former co-host, I, uh, she reads everything I write. She Aww. gives such great feedback because, well, like, okay, I am Chris, right? I love compliments. Please tell me <laughs> my book is amazing. That's fine. But she, she's great about being like, hey, I think this is a plot hole or, hey, I'm not sure that that's entirely accurate. You might need to do more research and make sure that that's, you know, that that's a, a true representation of what would have happened or be like, hey, mm-hmm. uh, your characters don't really make sense because they're very inconsistent or they contradict each other or something like. And so I think she's great because she points out those flaws that I sometimes overlook. Maybe I'm trying so hard to get the story out that I I don't necessarily think enough about character development or vice versa. And I think it's great to have like that kind of feedback and then to know what to do with that feedback. Cause like you said, she's not telling me how to fix it. She's just like, Hey, this is something I, as a reader noticed, what did you mean by that? And it's like, when you get done with a book and you have questions because the book is like thought provoking and you're excited about the story and the characters, I think that's one of the greatest things about reading. But when you get done with a book and you have questions because things just didn't quite make sense, I think it can really pull you out of the story. And so I think that feedback is so important to be able to have and interpret and to know what to do with. 
Yes, exactly. And um, I even have like a hierarchy of critique partners. And this actually is this is something like if you and your readers, if you want to get a group of readers together who are all writers, I am happy. I know I'd mentioned this to you when we were off air, but I'm happy to kind of walk through the how to get published process, um, like how to query a literary, literary agent and what you need to write to them and how you need to address them, the ins and outs of what you need to include. Like, I'm happy if you guys want to get together a group and we could just like have like a little zoom session or something and, and talk about it because there are so many things that you do need to consider. And like I said, I, I keep different critique partners for different things. So like maybe once I've revised something twice, I'll go to like my main group of critique partners. And then after I've done their revisions, maybe I'll go to someone else and get one more feedback. And then um, if I'm writing like a query letter, I will have someone who has never read my story read my query letter that is going to try and get me a literary agent because you need someone to see that query letter the same way that someone who's never read your story is going to see it. And there, I mean, again, there are very specific rules about how many characters you can mention, how you should mention them, things like that. Um, but if you're in there, mean, you know, being like Bethany and Annie going on an adventure and they meet up with Clara who does this and you're all of a sudden like, wait, who's Bethany and who's Annie? What event, you know, like if it doesn't quite make sense um, to someone who hasn't read the book, it's not going to make sense to a literary agent either. Um, so like just anything like that is, is so important. And there's so many ins and outs that's, that go into the query process. And um, so, yeah, if you guys are ever interested in that, just let me know. I love that so much because I think that that is exactly the type of personality I have. Like when I meet new podcasters and stuff, I've, I've gotten so many messages from people that are like, hey, I don't want to like step on toes, but I have an idea about a podcast. And I'm like, yes. Ask me yeah. any questions you want. It took me so long to figure out what I was doing. I am happy to share my wisdom and save someone else the nine months of anxiety I went through. Like, <laughs> I, I even started like a Facebook group with other like book club podcasters so we can share notes and ideas and um, like help each other with like like editing, for example, took me forever to figure out, which is why like the first episode sounds like not as good as the next episode. Um <laughs> You know, and so like I, I love when people are kind enough to be like, yes, let me share my wisdom. This There's more than enough room at the table for all of us. I don't feel like you're crowding my space at all. Yeah. I mean, I will say like there is – there's no like quick fix. Like you're not going to come if we have this little group and immediately get like a book deal afterwards. Like I mean you still do have to like, you know, do your research and, and that kind of stuff. But like I can tell you like – look into this, you know, like there, there are very specific ways you can kind of find the literary agents that are best for you. Um, you know, Twitter is a huge part of it. I actually, Twitter helped me find my literary agent because there are often Twitter contests that you can do. There's like pitch mad. And I mean, there are, there are other contests that are kind of run through Twitter that like pair you up with, um, an established agent and help you get feedback or sorry, not from an established agent from like established author. Like I've been a mentor for this contest a couple of times where you, the mentor gets to pick one person who submits to them and they will sit with them for like six months and help them rework their book into the best possible state it can be. And then all of those, um, people in that contest get put on a, on a website and agents just flock to read it because they know that these people have been mentored and they've been chosen. And like a lot of people get deals that way. Actually, I think, I think Children of Blood and Bone might have been a Pitch Wars book. It's called Pitch Wars. That's what the contest is. Um, and there have a couple love been a couple that. other big ones that. that have been, yeah, had been been kind of picked up that way. So like there are definitely a lot of things you can do to get noticed, um, to put yourself for it. Oh, oh, this is sorry, this is like probably like one of my biggest pieces of advice for any of you, especially um 
Well, actually, I'm not, I'm not even going to say any. It's like, it's for everyone. It's not even especially for anyone. Um, <laughs> I was going like, to qualify it and be like, and then I was like, no, because pretty much everyone's going to need this. Um, get a platform and get it now. So like, if you're not on Instagram, get on Instagram. If you're not on Twitter, get on Twitter. Um, you know, having this podcast is amazing. Having followers is amazing. Like that's exactly what you want. I mean, my publisher, like I'll be real honest with you guys. Um, they came to me. I think I had like 400 Twitter followers and they were like, we need you to get that to 3000. And I was like, mm, okay, I'm going to work on that. And I did. And it was like a job. And I worked on getting 3000 Twitter followers and a couple thousand Instagram followers and things like that. Because the more people you have who follow you, like the bigger your impact is going to be, the more people are going to see when you market your book, things like that. Um, so definitely start, you know, building your following now on whatever platform you think is important to you. And I'm going to say that with a caveat of like, Instagram is really big for like young adult books. It's, it's big yes. for a lot of books, but like young, young adult books do really, really well there. Like if you're writing a business book, maybe LinkedIn is where you need to be. Um, if you're writing a cookbook, I mean, again, Instagram's cool. Maybe TikTok, maybe you're doing little recipe things or um, maybe you're over on Pinterest sharing, you know, like different things like that. Find your following, find out where they are and how you can reach them. You know, I mean, I could do an entire class on just like when and how and what to post to Instagram. I think that's so valuable because I I wouldn't have known that going into podcasting, like how much social media you should put into it. But like, you know, I mean, so at the end of our first book, I did a, a survey, like a listener survey on Google that I typed up. And mm -hmm. I found that like 80% of the people follow, found us through Instagram. And I was like, okay, so like Instagram is where I need to be to like launch. And at the end of that, I had like 300 followers. That was a year ago. I just did another listener survey and I'm at a little over 3000 followers now. And it's so much work, you guys. I'm on Instagram like two or three hours a day sometimes, but it's so it actually works. I can't stress yeah. that enough. I comment. I I message people. I share posts. I like posts. I share. I do shout out Saturday where I shout out like authors and other podcasters and bookstagrammers. I I post like five or six times a week if possible. I post like clips of the episodes to try and get people to like. They'll hear like 30 seconds of the episode, then maybe they'll go listen to it. If someone has a picture of the Lunar Chronicles, I'm like, hey, have you listened to this Lunar Chronicles podcast? Like just trying mm -hmm. my best to spread the word. And like at the end of our first year, we had like 6,000 downloads and that was in May. And as of right now, I'm at just under 25,000. That's amazing. Yeah, a lot of that has been because I put in all this work on Instagram. And if I had known going in that I needed to to have a platform and how important social media was in getting the word out there, I would have put so much more effort in in the beginning. But like, I know that now. And so like when I meet people and they're like, how do I do my podcast? I'm like, start with an Instagram right now. Mm -hmm. Get an Instagram, start posting pictures about like what books you're going to do. If you see someone post about a book that you're going to do, be like, be like, hey, I love that book. I'm going to cover it on my book club podcast. Like just get the word out in any possible way that you can and reach out to other podcasters because some, okay, some of them won't message you back. There's plenty of podcasters I've messaged that have never messaged me back, which makes me hate that stupid scene word on Instagram. 
Um, <laughs> but there's lots of people. <laughs> there's lots of people who will message you back. Me, I'm like that. I'll message you back. I'll give you any information I can. Like I even have a word document with notes on it for like editing tips and audacity that I took me like a year to learn. Um, and I, I think it's so important when you're in this kind of a world, maybe you're a podcaster, maybe you're an author, maybe you're trying to, maybe you want to be on NetGalley and you want to have like an arc and you want to be a reviewer and you're just trying to figure out, well, how do I make a good bookstagram? Like whatever it is, reach out. And I know not everybody's going to answer you and I know not everybody is going to want to give you help or information, but hopefully someone will. And the more people you message, the more likely it is that someone's going to help. Yeah. Yeah. And take advantage of whatever opportunities you can. So here's one way that I built my Twitter following. And granted, not everyone's going to have access to this. I recognize that. But it's just an example to show you think through every opportunity you're going to have. So I actually had the opportunity to sit down and have drinks with author John Green, who wrote The Fault in Our Stars. Um, and I knew going into that meeting that I was like, this is this was like right around the time a publisher was like, you need 3,000 followers and you don't have it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to work on that. So what I did is I bought all of John Green's books ahead of that meeting and I brought them to the meeting and I simply asked him to sign them, which is pretty normal, right? And then I said, John, I'm going to do a giveaway on Twitter of these books. Would you be willing to retweet it? And he said, yes. And he did. And I got probably a thousand followers from that giveaway from him retweeting it. And I, I show that because I was not asking him to promote me. I was not asking him to promote my book. I was simply asking him to promote his own material already, right? Because it's really hard to go to an author and be like, hey, will you tweet about my book that you don't know or you haven't read? Like, Right. They're probably not, they don't know if it like fits into their brand, if it's, you know, if it's good, if it's bad. Like, um, so really think about the opportunities you're given. You know, if you, if you do go to these, um, cool like book events, like, you know, don't be afraid to like, you know, talk to authors and just be like, hey, what's your number one publishing advice? Or, um, you know, something like that. Just, you know, don't, don't be afraid, but like, don't miss your shot either. Yeah. I completely agree. And I mean, one of the biggest things that helped me get more listeners and followers was being on Marissa's podcast and having her share me to Instagram and her website and all of that. And I still, even to this, this was, I did an episode with her in July and August. She was on my podcast. I was on her podcast. I mentioned on her website, her Twitter, her Instagram, her Facebook. Like if you go to her website, there's a link for my podcast. And I yeah. still will message people on Instagram and be like, hey, have you listened to this Luna Chronicles podcast? And I'm like, I've never heard of it. I didn't know that was a thing. I yeah, literally I have I like, like, I basically have sponsorship from the author and <laughs> I, and I still get people that don't know I exist. So it's okay if you, if you, if you still have to do that. I'm, I mean, honestly, at some point I, I hope I'm going to do every book she ever writes. So yes, eventually I'll probably get really tired of of having to remind people that there's a podcast or something. But right now I like doing that. And I I make a collage like once a month of all the comments of people saying that they've never heard of the podcast and where can they find a link. Aw. And see, honestly, that just speaks so well to Marissa Meyer too. Like, again, some authors will just never talk to you and just ignore you, but mm -hmm. she's so high class. You know, she is, she's just right up there with the best. And that's what I love are authors who 
take the time to be personal with you and make you feel special. Like they make you feel like you have a connection, even if it's just 20 seconds in a signing line, you know, like. And not everybody does that. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. She's so engaging with her fans and she pays attention so much and she's so nice. Like I, I, I honestly, I can't sing her praises enough as a, as a human being, because I mean, like I said, you never know what to expect when you meet someone that you have, like you, you feel like you know them, but you don't because you just know like their writing or their Instagram persona or something. And so I definitely yeah. get the, in the like intimidation of, I hope they live up to this expectation I've, I've created <laughs> for them, which isn't necessarily fair, but we all do it. It's kind of human nature to, to expect certain things you're like oh they have to be this way like they have to be nice and whatever and then you meet them you're like what is this like (laughs) and you're like I get a lot of I get a lot of people that say that about me because they listen to the podcast and then they'll message me and they'll be like you know oh my god I can't believe you messaged me back or wow you're so nice like and it's like I honestly what you guys hear on here this is what I'm like okay I, I don't have yeah. like a super cool Instagram or podcast persona. I'm awkward and weird and goofy and I <laughs> I just have fun with life and the world. Um, I did an episode, someone wanted to interview me and I did an episode and they asked a question about my husband. So I was like, okay, well, I'll make him answer. <laughs> yeah. I, I, made him, I made him come in the room and answer the question. And she was like, wow, you guys are like, a really cute couple. And I was like, Oh, thanks. And she was like, I mean, you talk about your husband and it seems like you guys have a great relationship, but then like, that's how you guys actually are. And I was like, yes, I'm not a persona. I'm a real person. And what you guys hear, that's what, that's what I am. That's what you get. I love that. And see, I'm the same way. Like (laughs) I'm bubbly, but I'm like, this is me, you know, I'm, this is what you get. If you come to see me at a at a conference, you will get the same thing. And I'll be like, let's be best friends. Cause I just have this thing where I'm just like, we're all going to be best friends. So, you know. Yes. That's so me. I'm like, why doesn't everyone <laughs> want to be my friend? I don't I get know, this right? world. <laughs> and that's why I feel like I relate to Cress so much because she wants to be friends. She wants to hang out. She wants to wear pretty dresses and have right? girl time and talk about boys. And she has a crush on a boy and she daydreams and sings and pretends that she's in an opera or an actress. And I'm like, that is so me. And she's a hopeless oh. romantic, which... I am a diehard romantic and I am super romantic. Okay. Like not everybody knows this, but I am very romantic. My husband is not romantic in the slightest. He's had to try and adapt because he's married to someone who's constantly like trying to do romantic things. Like, okay, he's not in here so I can say this. So (laughs) something we always say to each other is penny for your thoughts. And our wedding anniversary is coming up. And so for our wedding, I got him a 2013 penny, which is the year we got bo- we got married Aww. in. And there's like a little heart that's carved around the 2013 year. And then our initials are etched in. So it says like Q plus B forever. Come on. Aww. That's so romantic, so right? Cute. Yes. I love that. <laughs> See? And this is why you should be my friend and be closer because I also do tagging, which – Okay, I don't know. I don't even remember how this started, but like when my friends or my husband or somebody is going through a rough time, like I'll go to their car and I'll like just write stuff 
on notes and leave it in or around their car. So like my husband was having a rough time at work and I took the keys to his car and I went to his car and I filled it with gummy bears, his favorite candy. And I had like a little stuffed monkey that like has the magnet so you can move to make it hug your hand. And I put that on there. And then I wrote all these cards that said like, words cannot espresso how much you mean to me. And I had like a picture of a coffee and it's like, and then one that was like, donut worry, be happy. And I had a picture of a donut and I wrote like 20 of these and I just hid them all over his car. And so when he got off work, it was just like, why are there balloons on my car? <laughs> okay. We do need to be best friends in real life now. Like, yes, this is the type of stuff I do. I'm like, this will be fun. This Because like, I, I'm the type of person, like I love, love. Whether it's friendship or, you know, sisters or your family or a loved one or a a significant other. And so, like, I'm constantly looking for ways to make other people happy because that's my love language. That's what makes me happy. And so I'm always trying to do, like, big fun stuff like that. (laughs) Which I know some people are like, that's so over the top. But I'm like, whatever. That's me. Is it though? Is it over the top? Like, I don't know. I don't think it's enough. (laughs) You could probably do some more. (laughs) My poor husband, I'm constantly like, I have to remind him to have like bigger reactions. Like sometimes, like when I, when Marissa finally emailed me and was like, I want to do an episode, like I went to him and I was like, okay, I need your reaction to be like, way up here because I'm really excited. And if you respond with something like, oh, that's cool, I'm going to be like frustrated. So you need to just get on your giddy horse for like 20 seconds. And he, he was like, okay, okay. Like, I know what kind of reaction she needs to keep this momentum going. So now I know what to do. <laughs> okay, well, next time you just call me and I will fangirl with you. Yes, because you'll be just as excited. You'll be like, hell yeah, what's going on? <laughs> yes. You could be like, I got some gummy bears. And I'd be like, yes, that's awesome. <laughs> I will message, do you like gummy bears? Yes. Who doesn't? I will message you a picture of these gummy bears that I just found that are like the fanciest gummy bears in the world. They are so soft and delicious. And they have like 30 different flavors. And they are my new what? favorite thing in the world. So... I will send you a picture of the bag because I, for life, I can't remember what they're called, but I actually got them at Walmart. Really? Yes. And they're so delicious and fancy and they are a little pricier than regular gummy bears. But if you like gummy bears. Sometimes you just, you know, do it yourself. You got to treat yourself, you know? Maybe I should just Google it real quick. I feel like I could find it really quick. Fancy gummy bears. I mean, I feel like the listeners need to know where they're gonna be like what are you talking about oh okay they're called albanese a-l-b-a-n-e-s-e and they are delicious they are like probably the best gummy bears i've ever had in my entire life and i know that it's just a gummy bear but not all food is created equally so but so wait what flavors (laughs) which ones have you been trying so they i like the um like diff like the random flavors like uh what's a good one like because most people do like strawberry and blueberry and stuff but like this one has like mm-hmm. raspberry and grapefruit which isn't the best but like there's a pineapple one and a mango which is really good so Ooh. there's just there's a lot okay it's so like just as long as we're not getting into like a berry bots every flavor bean kind of situation here where like no no no, no. so wait it has all the flavors listed hold on <laughs> so it has cherry, pink grapefruit, watermelon, 
strawberry, orange, blue raspberry, lime, grape, green apple, mango, pineapple, and lemon. Mm. Yeah, they okay. are really tasty. I, re- I highly recommend them to anyone who likes gummy bears. I'm going to have to check this out. Like, I gummy bears is like if I go to like a frozen yogurt place or something, like that's what I'm putting on top of my frozen yogurt too is gummy bears. So gummy bears this. are my go-to like when I just want something tiny to like munch on. Like, I'm not going to lie. One of the biggest distractions I get when I'm trying to get work done is I want food. <laughs> Like, I'm just a big foodie. So I'm one of those people that I'm like, okay, if I finish this chapter, then I can have one gummy bear. And then I'll put that gummy bear, like, right next to me. I'm like, I'm like, that gummy bear is ready for it. Let's go. Like, (laughs) I've seen people who will, like, place gummy bears strategically on top of their book. So, like, when they finish reading one paragraph, they get that gummy bear. And then when they finish, like, reading several more gummy bear or several paragraphs, they eat that gummy bear that's waiting at the end. Yep, that's me. (laughs) That's my motivation. (laughs) Hey, you know, whatever gets the job done. If it's some gummy bears, then that's cool with me. Someone was saying the other day on Instagram that they should, like, how could we turn the podcast into a drinking game? And one of the (laughs) comments was, like, uh, do a shot every time Bethany mentions food. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely (laughs) a foodie. I'm always talking about, like, nachos and ice cream. Like... (laughs) For good reason, clearly. I mean, like. <laughs> I'm such a food person. Like, this is why I have to have, like, a bike and stuff because oh. I won't leave my house. If I, I will never exercise. I will just sit in my room and eat and read books all day. I'm already an author. If I'm not, like, reading, I'm sitting at my computer talking to myself. So I feel that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I enjoy talking with you so much. I had so much fun. I'm beyond thrilled that you messaged me back and that you came on and that I got to know you a little bit better and come back anytime if you have like a favorite chapter of winter or something I'll be happy to put your name down like because this is fun and I could talk about the Lunar Chronicles the rest of my life and I will because that's what my podcast is count me (laughs) in I'm down for that I will figure out some chapters for winter or if you just can't find someone to fill in like I'm here (laughs) Absolutely. I will be more than happy to like constantly message you and be like, what about this chapter? Like, <laughs> and I'll be like, great. Love it. <laughs> love it. Perfect. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. Listeners, please go follow Annie Sullivan on social media and check out all of her books. Um, when I post this episode, check out my Instagram page where I will put a link to all of her books as well as pictures of the beautiful covers because I am a cover bait kind of person, and I'm hoping you are too. Uh, (laughs) Until next time, keep reading, keep listening, and don't get glamored. Bye. The passages read for you today are from Crest by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was author Annie Sullivan. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pava, and the logo art was created by Angela Long. Thank you for listening.